When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I need to find somebody that incompetent. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Yes, it is. Live from CHS Field on Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app. Rami Makloff here. Phil Mackey there. Judd out today. Should be back tomorrow. And our honorable yet corrupt judge back in our studios, Jonathan Harrison, will ask us arbitrary random questions and then arbitrarily and randomly hand out points based on who kisses up to him or gives the answers he just likes the most. Jonathan Take it away. Thank you, sir. Sometimes I'll take them away, but who knows? Who knows with what? He's who will get done the points it before. <laughs> All right. So we talked about the twins' struggles. Is it okay to call it that? Uh, recently, you guys <laughs> struggles. They're playing like 500 baseball for a week. <laughs> they played 500 baseball for a week, and they're in the tank. In so, the tank. So, boys, fill it in. The twins' recent slump is blank. Not a slump. It's not a slump. A slump is when you lose a lot of games in a short amount of time. When you're losing like every other game for a short amount of time, or a slump would really be losing for a long amount of time, and the Twins have done neither of those two things. We're sitting here on June 24th. June 24th? The season started in March, by the way, so we're three really? months of the season. Wow. We're three months into the season. And the Twins have yet to lose three games in a row. Name me a slump. Name me a hitting slump where a guy went, like, would you call it a hitting slump if a guy never went more than three games without getting a hit? No. A double of some kind, right? So Jorge Polanco has reached base. I want to say, is it 34 or 30-some 30 34 straight games. games? I think Manny said on the Twins show today. So if, if tomorrow night and Wednesday night, if Jorge Polanco didn't reach base, on Thursday would we say, oh, my God. What Jorge the hell Polanco's happened to Jorge Polanco? Deep slump. What is wrong with him? That first half of the season what, was just a fluke. What happened? Yeah. So I would say, fill in the blank, the Twins' recent slump is not a slump. Uh, I would finish the sentence by saying this. The worst the Twins have played all year, which is telling you something. The fact that they lost five out of eight, and that's the worst that they've played all year. As 
Phil just astutely pointed out, still haven't lost three in a row. And, oh, by the way, that happened in the middle of a stretch when you played two straight weeks without an off day, when two of your pitchers regressed a little bit, which everybody should have been expecting, when your bats got colder than they have been all year but are not going to stay that cold, you played the worst you've played all year, and that meant losing five out of eight and still not losing three in a row. And during that time, the team that's chasing you in the, in the division won three straight and eight out of ten, and guess what? They're still not in your rearview mirror. They're still eight games back playing the best stretch of baseball that they've played all year while you're playing the best, the worst stretch of baseball that you've played all year. So it's the worst they've played all year, and it still doesn't matter. Another way to fill in this blank would be, because we're both on the same page here, the Twins' recent slump is nothing compared to the Astros' recent slump in which they finally snapped it yesterday. The Astros lost seven games in a row. From the outside looking in, would you ever say... That they are just disqualified. over. Yep, just Astros disqualified. Is oh over. my God, the Astros, seven Stick games in a, a row. Stick a fork in them. Uh, just to continue my list from earlier in the show here, because I don't want this show prep to go to the garbage for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> the 2010 San Francisco Giants, World Series winning San Francisco Giants, lost 12 of 18 in May and seven in a row at one point in June. They went on to win the World Series. The 2009 New York Yankees, World Series winning New York Yankees. They lost 7 of 9 in May and played four games below 500 for a month stretch in June into July. The 2004 uh, Cowboy Up Red Sox, right? One of the most mentally tough teams of all time to come back from down 3-0 in the American League Championship Series. You want to know what their June record was that year? What was year? their June record that year, Phil? 11 and 14. It's not good. 11 and 14. And they won the World Series. I think we both basically gave the same answer. I don't know how you're going to give a point on that one, Jonathan. Rami, I will, uh, despite you questioning my abilities to give points right there, <laughs> I will give you the point here. It is Thank true you. that it is the worst they've played all year. It still leaves the opportunity for it to be a slump if this continues. Phil's statement kind of makes that not possible because it is, he's saying it's not a slump, basically saying that if it does continue on, then it's still not a slump. But Rami, the worst that the Twins have played all year is true. It is the worst they have played. You're right. I did have the better answer. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever doubt your corrupt judge, Rami. All right. This weekend, we're going to have a bit of a soccer question here. This weekend, the U.S. men's national team beat Trinidad and Tobago 6 to nothing. Trinidad is the team that beat the U.S. two years ago, meaning the U.S. didn't qualify for last summer's World Cup. So it was a bit of a revenge game. As a fan of the U.S. men's national team watching them demolish Trinidad and Tobago, it was a pretty cathartic tw- or 90 minutes. Beside your team winning a championship, boys, what was the most cathartic sports experience you've had as a fan of a team? This one's a tough one for me. It's, it's down to three. Can I give you three, or do you want just one? I want to hear all three now. Yeah, let's have all three. Rank them. Segment within a segment. Okay. <laughs> three... Was I think this is a pecking order. Jay Cutler and the Bears beating the Packers on Thanksgiving. I literally still have a framed picture of Jay Cutler eating that turkey leg up in my apartment. We're <laughs> <laughs> a lost soul. It's displayed prominently. Jay Cutler eating a turkey leg after beating the Packers on Thanksgiving three years ago. Uh, number two was a five-game series between the Cubs and the Cardinals in the Dusty Baker era, and this was sort of the the turning point for 
that version of the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry where the Cardinals had been dominating the division for a long time and the Cubs came in and started having some success under Dusty Baker and it was a five-game series. And I remember early on in the series, a bit of a beanball war between the two teams and Dusty Baker and Tony La Russa yelling at each other from dugout to dugout yes. and the Cubs swept a five-game series That's right. that included a doubleheader because of a rainout. You don't ever sweep a five-game series. And to sweep the Cardinals, who were dominating that division at that time after a shouting match across the dugouts between the two managers was amazing. But, and it shouldn't surprise you, number one on my list is beating the Cardinals again in the playoffs on our way to a World Series. That was, that was really putting an end as far as the Joe Madden version of the Cubs. That was the final nail in the coffin for the Cardinals and their reign over the NL Central when the Cubs disposed of them in the playoffs on their way to a 2016 World Series championship. In, in case you're wondering whether Rami's anti-Cardinals fan <laughs> was genuine or not. <laughs> you know, I, I have an honorable mention, actually sort of similar in nature to Rami's, and I'll give you my actual answer, which is the exact parallel to what happened this last weekend. But honorable mentions, you said most cathartic experience as a fan. Yep. So I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. The Twins have always been number one for me, but mm-hmm. growing up, family in Chicago, the Cubs are always my National League team. And I remember there was a period... I didn't fall too deeply into this trap because I always thought it was ridiculous that Twins fans booed A.J. Pierzynski when he was amazing when he was with the Twins. He was a 300 hitter. Uh, he didn't demand a trade or anything. They just traded him for a hall of players and open up a spot for Joe Maurer. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't get a little bit swept up in anti-A.J. mania. Sure. He's an easy guy to not like. And there was an afternoon game about 10 years ago at Wrigley Field in which Michael Barrett, the Cubs catcher, Absolutely unloaded uppercuts <laughs> yep. on AJ Pierzynski yep. in the for no good reason, <laughs> for no good reason at all. And it was hilarious. I think my, Michael Barrett was was the rest of us. He just didn't like AJ Pierzynski. He had a really punchable face, and Michael Barrett got close enough to punch that face. That was. It seemed like that was the. It was a clean play at the plate. I don't even remember what happened. I'm actually. I pulled it up here on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, there's a let me see here. There's a it's a three minute melee video that does nothing for our audio audience right now. <laughs> but if I, but I think yeah there was a play at the plate. AJ was coming home. In fact, here it was. AJ tried to push the glove. It's a tag from left field. There's the throw into home plate. Here comes AJ and he and and he sort of trucks Michael Barrett and then stomps on home plate. So it was. For the, for, the, for, the, for the time, just the Michael Barrett's blocking home plate. It was yeah. legal to truck the there catcher. Were, there were no rules back then about running into yeah. the catcher. Pierzynski Barrett's blocking him. the plate. He slaps home plate, and then Barrett goes over, grabs him, and just punches him in the face. <laughs> Pierzynski looks confused. Pierzynski's like, what just happened here, dude? Bench is clear was amazing. My actual answer is the exact parallel to Jonathan's cathartic experience of the U.S. men's national team beating Trinidad and Tobago 6 nothing. So again, Jonathan, if you could outline the circumstances for the audience that doesn't remember what happened, then I'll give you the exact parallel in my answer. So the U.S. had to go down to Trinidad and Tobago to, and get a win or a draw to, go on, or to qualify for the World Cup, and they go on to lose to a team that they should not have lost to. I think it yep. was 2-1 to one or 2 nothing. And they get bounced from the World Cup, and so they miss it for the first time in, I believe, 20, 20 years? 
Okay. So we're looking for a team that melted down on yeah. a huge stage, causing devastation among the fan base, major changes, and then in the next meeting, which was a relatively, if not completely meaningless meeting, they win, right? Right. So give me the 1999 Vikings beating the Atlanta Falcons in week one, 17 <laughs> to 14. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good one. I will give that to you because I am a Vikings fan. That one did feel good, yes, after losing that heartbreaking game in 98. It, it felt amazing, and then you look back, it's like, well, yeah. that was awfully hollow, actually, in <laughs> retrospect. Nothing. We didn't mean anything that at all. Meant absolutely nothing. Quite frankly. I yeah. also do like unloading punches on A.J. Pierzynski for no apparent reason. It's great. <laughs> so, Phil, you win that one. All right, all tied up. Sticking with the Vikings here, the Vikings announced last week that at training camp, only kids will be able to get autographs from the players. So what's your one autograph you got that means or meant at the time of receiving it the most to you? Man, so I uh, I actually do collect. It's been a while since I've added to the collection, but I collect autographs and meaningful baseball cards. So I have all just in different places in my possession. I've got mostly autographs that do I just play them or you just... Collect them in a couple spots. Yeah, okay. I should I should bring some into the. We could we could probably hang a couple on the walls in the in the prep room or something. But, sure. Um, I once waited in line four hours for Willie Mays to sign a Giants logo baseball. So it's there's not like a funny story behind it. I just like I waited four hours as a kid. It's the first time I met Dick Bramer. Little did I know in 1995, did little Phil Mackey. Uh, could he project to be blocked on Twitter by it's a uh, Dick Bramer? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Please, um, but I, I, I think just because I waited for four hours in line and then got to shake Willie May's hand and it was a Giants baseball, I thought that was kind of cool. I uh, when I was, I think I've told this story before. It was either on this show or on the Purple Daily Show. I'm not sure, but uh, sophomore in high school, playing for the sophomore football team, and uh, when the high, when the playoffs started when, for for the varsity team they would call up sophomores to essentially be tackling dummies in practice for the varsity team, and I was called up to be one of those kids, not because I was good, but just because I was fat, and you want the tackling dummies to be heavy and hard to move for the offensive linemen. So I uh, went through an entire – we went to state that year, so I went through an entire playoffs of just getting the crap kicked out of me by – damn near grown men like we had the best offensive line in the state we had dudes on our offensive line who had like full beards they were like six four they were men they were men and just tossing me around that field and uh the last practice before the state championship uh our coach goes uh we got a we got a guest speaker you guys come in come in the gym we're gonna have a guest speaker walter freaking payton walks in dude he went to college i guess with one of the one of our assistant coaches Walter Payton walks in and gives a speech, which I was just so awestruck. Like, to give you an idea of how much Walter Payton means to me and the Mackloff family, my nephew's name is Payton, and that's not a coincidence. He's named after Walter Payton. So I was just so awestruck. I wish to this day I remember what he said, because I'm sure there was a lot of wisdom in there for a guy who accomplished what he accomplished. He said, speaking to a high school football he said, team. Running backs are largely replaceable. <laughs> 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 so he gives this speech, and then afterwards the coaches go, sophomores, you're dismissed for practice. Thanks for all your help. Season's basically over for you guys. So the, the varsity team runs out onto the field. They practice. Walter Payton hangs out, 
and is just playing catch and hanging out with the handful of sophomores who got called up to practice with the varsity team, signed autographs for all of us. And then the coolest part was, because this dude was like a superhero in my world, he gets into a car that's like some sort of some sort of sports car I've never seen before. It has like the doors that open up, not like the. Uh, not, I'm trying to describe. I'm doing. I'm You're doing, doing a Karate Kid right now. <laughs> I'm doing a Karate Kid right now. Not the suicide doors, but like the ones that flip straight up. Yeah. You know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets in this thing, yeah, and my Rav Four has. That. And it has so many. Like he's buckling in from like every direction, and just takes off in this thing, and like broke the. Broke the sound barrier. He took off so fast in this car, dude. It was like, you know how they say never meet your heroes because you'll be disappointed? This was everything that it could possibly be when you're a kid meeting. Like, he showed up. He played catch with us. He gave autographs. And then he took off in the Batmobile. That's an amazing story. <laughs> it was awesome. I'm going to give Rami that point myself if he knows, Jonathan. No, I agree because, he. yeah, you had to wait four hours in line for Willie Mays' signature, but you also didn't get tackled by grown men. Or almost grown men in high school. So, Rami, you get the point and you win today. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, man. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, it there's was so uh, cool. There's so many instances where you do meet someone that you looked up to, and it's the old cliche, but you almost wish that you hadn't. Right. And I, don't, I didn't have that experience very often, but there were some times where you go to Twins Fest or something, and now to put yourself in those guys' shoes, yeah, they're sitting around for hours and just monotonously signing autographs. It's probably tough to be engaged with everybody. But. Right. Uh, Mackie and Job with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. It's the 40th anniversary of one of the great sports promotions gone wrong, or incredibly right, depending on your point of view. <laughs> we are going to get the full backstory from the creator of it, Mike Vack. We're hanging out here at CHS Field, St. Paul Saints in action later tonight. You can get tickets tonight or any game at saintsbaseball.com. Thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. No Judd today. He'll be back tomorrow on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. The sun is shining. The rain has stopped falling. We are here live at CHS Field where Saints tickets can be had at saintsbaseball.com. And uh, Mike Veck is hanging out with us. And we'll, are you guys really eating the peanuts with the shells on them? Good peanuts, baby. Can't Just believe you've never it. discovered this. Yep. Peanuts, husk, and all. I mean, no. you know. I, and Just I'm not, did it. I'm one of those Shell. guys. I don't eat them. You know, we got a ball club in Charleston, so they have boiled peanuts. They're soggy and wet and sell a boatload of them. Can't stand them. I've never understood that either. Well, I don't understand But you tell me I can, eat, I can eat this thing with the shell, yeah, and it's because good. Because they're good peanuts. Not only is it good and safe, it's better. And they're fresh. That's how you tell. I've literally never done this. Should I try? Yeah. Should I try this right now on the air and give a review? Let's see you what must happens. be a professional to try this. Rami, look at you. Kids? Hmm. Don't try this at home. That's actually not bad. Swallow the whole thing. I thought it would be really fibrous. And you'd have to chew on it forever. No, I'm at the age where you have to have it really, really fibrous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's, it's unbelievable the welcoming committee you guys have here. Hey, so how's your fiber intake? <laughs> <laughs> so so t the, this summer is the 40-year anniversary That's not terrible. of either the greatest or the, the most. It's, it's, it's always the, something, the superlative uh, promotion in Probably sports history, for sure, baseball history. Disco Demolition from 1979. Tomorrow night, here at CHS Field, you guys are calling it Disco Premonition? Yeah, that, you know, I mean, Derek, let me just set it up. Derek, our general manager, this is the only job he's ever had. He has been with me 
for 27 years. It's important to understand that. The fact that he's from Indiana isn't quite as important to know, but it, it figures in there. So he decides a month and a half ago that it would be fun to honor Disco Demolition with something he called Disco Premonition. And I said, well, what's that? And he goes, well, imagine you live 40 years more. You know, but tomorrow night you look into the future, and what do you see for Disco? And I said... As you know, Derek, I'm Catholic, and I look forward 40 years, and what I see is heaven. I'm dead. I won't be here. I don't care if they come up with world-beating promotions. I'm, like, done. So whatever I tell anybody, it won't be like the last one. I didn't apologize fast enough for disco demolition, so I paid the price for that. So I'm going to look into the future, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen as they unravel, not Unleash or unload, but unravel the largest disco ball in the history of a 10-state radius. That's what they told me. This is the biggest disco ball they could find, and I'm going to MC and host a dance contest out on the field. And because I can't dance, I am eminently qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure that center field doesn't get lit on fire tomorrow. Yeah. That's the only yeah, thing. You know, everybody's like... I get his thing. You know, I worked for the Tigers for three and a half years, and I was there, unfortunately, for Alan Trammell's debut year as the manager there. And he and I would get into this thing. All, yes, it was a tough year. You remember that? The last week mm -hmm. they were waiting to break the Mets record. The yeah, Browns they had, they had to sit Mike Maroth to avoid 20 losses or something, if I they, remember they, right. Or and, Bonderman. And, and Dombrowski sat me. He said, if there's one thing, one national interview comes out of here for this, <laughs> you're done. And I'm like, Dave, you know I wouldn't do anything. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Trammell's, he, he's with the Tigers in 1979. It's his rookie year. And he's telling everybody for the last two years how terrified he was. He goes, I was really afraid. I'm like, have you ever been in a real riot, Alan? Because I can tell you the difference. I have been in a riot, and this was not a riot. Why is that, Mike? I was afraid. I said, they were so stoned. These guys weren't going to hurt anyone. It was 10 years after Woodstock. They just ran around. The fire started because we put a stick of dynamite in with a bunch of albums. That'll and they it. caught fire. Honest mistake. It was an honest mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and unlike everybody else who talks about it, it was my mistake. But not for the reason. What's really funny is the mistake I made with Disco Demolition was I was standing at second base, and I'm thinking I'm going to be known tomorrow morning as the greatest promoter in the history of baseball because I just engineered an idea that drew 100,000 people to the corner of 35th and Shields. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, patting myself on the back. Well, that's hubris. That was the mistake. And a call came across the radio, which I've never used a radio since then. guess that's probably very, I, I guess it's apparent why. A call comes across the radio, and they go, the uh, modular ticket booths outside Comiskey, people are shaking them. And there are ticket sellers inside, men and women, who have union jobs, are inside selling tickets, and the kids are rattling them and frightening them. So I had 35 cops. I had, I had um, enough um, security for 35,000 people, which is what I thought we were going to draw. And nobody could have foreseen this. But I moved 10 of the security officers out to the main gate to stop the kids from hassling the ticket sellers. Crowd control is a misnomer. We could have a ride every night. The Ro Rolling Stones could have rided the other night at, at Soldier Field, 70,000 people, because you bank on the crowd not thinking as one at the same time. This just happened to be... the. People in Comiskey looked out and said, oh, Vec just moved 10 security guards 
off the field. That means there are 25. Let's go down and take the field. And they did. So it was my mistake, but it's never the one that people... It wasn't the idea. I mean, we just didn't know it was going to be that popular. Was it just a few people who ran out onto the field first? Were they the canaries in the in the coal mine, so to speak? And everybody saw, oh, nothing's happening to them. Let me let me follow suit. See, that's one of the things about you radio guys. I like that. And, you know, I know that you're painting a picture for your listeners. But what you're really doing is taking a shot at me because, you know, we all died that night. Everybody went into the mine. We all died. <laughs> so, yeah, there were, there were ten, ten guys in the center field bleachers at Comiskey, which is a 40 foot drop they jumped onto the field four women slid down the foul pole from the upper deck they were attached so they slid right down the foul pole and in four and a half minutes there were ten thousand people on that field yeah i mean it was like nothing that i'd ever seen they just descended that quickly but the great thing is we'd never be sitting here if people had been maimed and the people who were hurt were hurt because they jumped onto the field from 40 feet sure. and because they were coming through. So it wasn't a case where the cops came in and beat people and things like that. So I wouldn't laugh. If it had been a beer-drinking crowd, there would have been a lot of trouble, and I wouldn't be sitting. And nobody was attacking each other. There weren't fights. Like you said, these were just, there, there were people running into each other, knocking each other over, jumping down from walls. Yeah, they were just enjoying the enjoying the moment. And you know what? Pearsall's. Pearsall's in there with Harry in the booth going, ah, Harry, Harry, look at this. I didn't take my lithium today, so this is really, really exciting to me. But he even more, these aren't real ball fans. Really, Jimmy? Now, it was no secret that Jimmy and I didn't like each other, and ultimately I was removed from him during a live TV show in which he called my mother a terrible name, but he really wasn't going to miss a chance. So he's describing this. My home radio team is describing this riot to all of the greater Chicagoland area instead of going, you know, we'll get the game in. They tore a strip out. Behind short, which is what Trammell was so freaked about. You know, they tore a strip of turf for souvenirs. I mean, people were on the field at Comiskey Park. It's yeah. the oldest ballpark in the world at that point. So Mike Vec with us here, Mackie and Jeb with Rami from CHS Field. Um, from, so you describe that moment where you're standing out by second base and you're looking out at this masterpiece of a, of a sellout crowd in the middle of a bad season. It's the middle of summer. A terrible season. Thank and you. We're no drawing one 15 or 20,000 a game, maybe, right? Maybe. So you doubled attendance with a good promotion. So when you're teetering from, I am a genius, this is amazing, look what we just did to, my life oh my God. Over. What was that teetering moment like? Well, a lot of things. Nancy Faust will tell you. She was the organist and the keyboard and people from WLUP, which was really the first, you know, Steve Dahl in your business was the first shock jock. You, people don't realize that Dahl was setting standards, higher or lower, depending on your listeners' ideas, while Howard Stern was getting fired in Detroit, for mm -hmm. example. I mean, you know, Tom Bernard and I talk about it once in a while, and he's just recently inducted it, or last year, into the Radio Hall of Fame. I mean, Steve Dahl was a, was a big deal. And so I wasn't worried, and once we blew them, once, that, once the explosion occurred, it was artificial. You know, we had rockets set up behind fireworks. So the illusion was that they blew up. But really, we only had one charge in with the records. But once that blew and I saw the ladies sliding down the foul pole and the guys jumping over, that's the moment I said, ooh, this could teeter. Because they'd thrown some albums, you know, onto the field. And it was impossible. People give the attendance. I'm telling you, 
I was running the styles. There were 60,000 people inside. There were 40,000 people outside. And that's why the White Sox have always asterisked their biggest crowd. But the moment that they blew and I saw them slide down, Steve Dahl was back upstairs watching it. I, was, I never left the field during the whole promotion. Yeah. Until they buried me the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I just, I think it's such an amazing insight into I get the other question I had for you, too, was disco was, was on the downswing in the, in the late, in 1979 into 1980. And I think they started calling it dance music sometime in the early 80s. Like the name changed. In the pie chart of reasons why disco eventually died, what percentage was the national story of disco demolition. I mean, how much did you, with that promotion, actually push disco out the door in this country? I think it was huge in terms of the exposure for it. I think it was 15% in charge of actually... I mean, I mean, in That's terms still pretty of, amazing, though. But, but, but oh, there's no question it pushed it off the edge. I still, to this day, meet guys who say, I was working WDAI, for example, or whatever the call... Letters were playing, you know, the Commodores and, and playing the Bee Gees and Donna Summers. And they changed call letters overnight and formats. You know, we went to country or right. we went to, right. you know, and, and the thing that's upset me recently is, you know, with the advent of the, um, of the drunk history and Bob Odenkirk's version. That was so it, good. You know, it, so it, good. People, people now have started to look at this through today's framework and through our societal structures of today and they say well this was really homophobic or this was a racist promotion what they forget is that the idea which was mine even though steve Dahl copyrighted disco demolition and he gets paid for it i thought of it and the fact is is that in 1977 we did a promotion, a disco dance contest with every dance club in Chicago, up and down Rush Street, and we had 25 um, stages, literally on the warning tracks, all the way around Comiskey. And we do, drew 22,000, I think, that year with, I think Toronto um, was, was new. I think Toronto was new in the, in the league. But we had 22 or 23,000 people for these this dance contest i've been a rock and roll musician the day i got out of college i joined a rock and roll band was on the road for three years got fired and replaced by a drum machine so i had a genuine <laughs> i had a genuine axe to grind with it you know people think robots are replacing humans now it, it was, it was <laughs> this is happening way happening back then i'm yeah. there i'm there who took my job in there two guys one singer and a guitar player and, a, and then a box sitting back going <laughs> yeah. so, soon those boxes will be doing what Rami and I are doing right now. <laughs> Dead questions. Um, so, so I, and, and again, if people want to uh, come out to the ballpark, well, tonight, but tomorrow night is the official celebration of the 40th anniversary. It's Disco Premonition tomorrow night at CHS Field. Mike Vec, we appreciate it. Thanks for uh, oh, thank retelling so much, the story sir. again. Thank you so much for having me. And for introducing Rami to... opening my eyes on Peanuts with the Shell. And I want you to know, I I realize we're a minor league operation, which is why we don't have a trash can in here, which I'm going to go get you. Sorry about that. But those peanuts are are on us, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yep, it's saintsbaseball.com. Before we go anywhere, let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here for a brief moment, uh, where if you are a business owner... Listen up for just a second here because Federated can make your life a lot easier. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is not just a policy 
that you sign up for. It's an entire blanket, a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. There are a lot of ups and downs. Just eating these peanuts, don't mind me. <laughs> a lot of ups and downs when you're discovering in-shell peanuts for the first time and eating those shells. A lot of digestive ups and downs, too, which Rami's going to find out tomorrow. That's what I was worried about. Yeah. Is this a thing? Am I going to regret this later? You won't be as regular as you want to be. Oh, man. But if you want to be regular as a business owner, A, avoid the shells, but B, go to federatedinsurance.com to find your local marketing rep. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. We'll wrap with Royce next. All right, welcome back to CHS Field, where we are hanging out this afternoon. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Judd back tomorrow, it sounds like, uh, on the all-new Score North and Score North mobile app. Thanks to Mike Vack for coming down and telling some stories about Disco Demolition. Forty years this summer, Disco Demolition. Uh, Pat, what do you remember about either the greatest <laughs> or most terrible baseball promotion in the history of mankind. Well, that, that was it, but it was hilarious. That's for sure. I think the beer night was, what was it, Nickel Beer, or was it in Cleveland, where they basically yeah. destroyed the city? Uh, it was, it was <laughs> I think, I don't know, was it Nickel or a Dime Beer or something? And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Cleveland fans took full advantage. I remember that one. I think uh, some of the worst were my old man's. Uh, I know my father uh, was... Uh, uh, one of his promotions to get more people was if you could, you know, mosquitoes used to be the big paranoia for town team baseball for night games. And, you know, they were counting on fans. And he had a deal where if you brought him a live mosquito, you'd get a quarter. And every kid in, like, the fold of Minnesota was out trying to find a mosquito. And they were all bringing it back mosquitoes. And then he'd take it in his hand and he'd rub it between his finger and, and his, uh, his thumb and his index finger said, that's not a live mosquito. That's nope. a dead mosquito. I can't pay you for that. <laughs> <laughs> he basically squeezed. I said live mosquitoes, not dead ones. We sprayed. So uh, this is a dead one. All these kids, your dad's a cheat. Your dad's a cheat. They were screaming at me. That was a bad promotion. But uh, anyway, there's uh, there's been a few. I, yeah, well. My favorite all-time promotion is Captain Dynamite. That wasn't a bad one. That was a great one. You know that one, Phil, from the 70s. I'm not familiar. What was Captain Dynamite? Captain Dynamite was a guy, a cook for the Coast Guard, who would take his leave in the summer, and he'd get about two months off because he'd been in it so long, and he'd he'd go around and he'd blow himself up. He'd get in this box, and he'd set (laughs) explosives around it, and the thing would blow up. And uh, any you know minor league ballparks, and he put a little extra in for the toy because it was big league most of the time. It's a lot like being a Vikings fan, actually. Yeah, yeah, he was in Dubuque, you know, most of the time. So he, you know, he just blow himself up and a thousand people would cheer. But he's in that stadium, and he's out behind second base. And honest to God, he put like a half a foot indentation in behind second base. The box just blew all over the place. And Don Cassidy was the promotions guy, and he goes running out there. He thought he killed him, you know, and he got out there, and the guy's out cold, out at second base, Captain Dynamite. And he finally, they slap him around a little bit. They wake him up, and Captain Dynamite says, I gave you a little extra. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the twins had a... The twins had a 
press room back then. Uh, they called it the press room, the hospitality room. I mean, scouts and team officials and everybody would be drinking in there after the game. And Captain Dynamite was having the time of his life because he was getting free liquor. After he blew himself up, they brought him in for a couple of drinks, and he's a Coast Guard guy, you know, Coast Guard bachelor guy. And he, uh, he, he one of his ears is blood dripping, kind of sliding down the side of his ear from blowing himself up. He's in there drinking beer and bleeding from the ears and having the time of his life, man. It was uh, Captain Dynamite. It's amazing. I got to go find those clippings of that sometime. It's got to be, we got to be celebrating at least a 40-year anniversary. I'd say mid-70s for that one. It was great. I feel like standards and practices just weren't back then what they were today. They were just letting anybody do anything with these game promotions. I don't know. We got some Wallendas that are going to go kill themselves again here pretty soon. Huh? I'm thinking of uh, we in New York. We're going to have uh, the girl now is going to, uh, the girl and the, the, the third generation of them is going to walk from one skyscraper to another. In oh, New the York. Walenda. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah okay, well, when, okay, when yeah. that, when Nick Walenda, here's how, here's how you know you're certifiable, okay? When, yeah. when you're going to be live on Discovery Channel, this is like four years ago. And you're going to yeah. tightrope walk across the Grand Canyon. That's not the certifiable part. No net. <laughs> That's not the certifiable part. Yeah. You're wearing blue no. jeans? <laughs> blue jeans. Did they away or did they call it off? Did they let him do it? No, he did it. Yeah, it was in the whole time. What they the had the hell? camera on him. The whole time he was just like praying. He was. It was like a... Uh, he was out loud. Yeah, he was like, you saying know what? Players. It can be a little gust of wind there in the Gloria uh, Grand Canyon, I would think. Kind of come up from down below you and uh, blow your britches around. Yeah. Maybe that's why he didn't want to have gym shorts on and have it blow up, you know, under his crotch or something. Could be. So he wanted those jeans. Yeah. That was it. Anyway. Yeah, they, yeah, they, 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 they asked him, what would, like, if, you, if you fall, what is your, like, do you have an escape plan? And he said, I'm trained to grab the rope and hang for an hour and a half. Just enough time for someone to come rescue me. How do you train for that? I told you. Just hang I, for I an know. hour? I don't, I don't know. Just hang? And, and what are the odds that you're actually going to hit the rope as you're falling? So, uh, you know, you go into the Grand Canyon, I guess. That's a great way to go. But, yeah, that, uh, back, that was a beauty. That was uh, one of the all-timers. Of course, there's nothing that can ever top his old man sending up the midget. You know, I mean, that was the greatest ever, the Daddy Goodell, with what I think it said, one-eighth on the back of his jersey, right? Yeah. Major League Baseball went nuts. It went absolutely insane. That was even before my time. But uh, that's, uh, that's I'll tell you, one of the greatest days they ever had in the ballpark was sitting with his old man out at Wrigley Field after he was already done. And he's 80 degrees and sitting out there with him, and he must have had 15 beers with shorts in it. No shirt on and out there with all those Cub fans. It was great. It was, uh, and they all, they, they had the Wizard out in center field, you know, the, the one, the only one, Benzer out in center field, and they'd all let Bill go walking right by him because he had to take a whiz about every two innings. <laughs> come on in, Bill. You could come up here, and then he'd come back and drink two more beers. It was great. <laughs> so, um, Pat, are you, uh, I guess I'll frame it up this way. When you lose two out of four or win two out of four, depending on if your glass is half full or half empty to the Royals, that doesn't constitute a swoon for me. 
What no, what no, is an actual no swoon? swoon? What's what's a swoon? In no, your- a Jewish swoon is you know Mark used to call them snags. A Jewish swoon is losing ten out of twelve. You know something like that. I mean a Jewish swoon is something that's serious. You know, but but in modern in modern fandom where baseball is treated like uh, you know treated like. Uh, uh, football game then i think i'm sure fans think uh that they're they're they've won three of their last eight it's time to panic but uh i wouldn't go that far i think the the things that concern you are uh you know Pineda's going to be mediocre obviously and if martin perez stinks what where do you go here what's going to go on here you need another starter don't you yes i, I think mean, you need another starter I mean, even this is how many in a row this is four in a row for perez right yeah, it's think, uh, yeah, the magic carpet ride is probably over for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I don't think there's a big panic about the bullpen. I, I'd like to have another lefty in the bullpen, but you got about four guys you trust. That's enough. You know, every you pitch four guys. Every team's like they pitch four guys when they have the lead, and they pitch four other guys when they're behind. You know, so if you got four guys you trust with the lead, that's good enough. So. And, Pat, I do think right? that there is overreaction when, when it comes to the bullpen because you look at teams like the Astros and, and, and the Cubs and the Brewers and the Dodgers, all teams that are in contention or atop their division and have some serious bullpen problems worse than what the Twins have. But when you say trust, do you mean trust as far as you'd trust them in a playoff series or you trust them to get you through this I'm stretch? I'm not worried until... about the playoff series. I'm worried about, you know, that Cleveland is uh, – you. We, we've spent all – Three months talking about how rotten this division is. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's put some new guys in the lineup. They're a little better, and the White Sox aren't bad. Okay, you got two terrible teams, Detroit and Kansas City. But uh, the other two in there are competitive teams that you're going to have to play a whole bunch uh, the second, you know, the rest of the season here. And uh, just just worry about beating them. Don't worry about how you match up with the Yankees in October. Worry about how you match up with the Whiteys in July. That's what I'd worry about. You know, uh, Pat. I got one more, uh, one more pressing question for you here. Okay. Yes. Uh, do you eat what your peanuts? That's my question. Do you eat your peanuts with the shell, or do you remove the shell? Oh, I don't eat them with the shell, but I love to put them in and crack them. And then, okay. Uh, Mike, Mike Beck and I just introduced Rami to eating peanuts full and whole and it's, with the shell. It's not as weird as I thought it would be, Pat, but then Phil told me the side effects, and uh, that will be the last yeah, peanut. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's okay when they have that, uh, when they have that uh, surgery on your stomach. You know, it wasn't a good idea. You know, you know what? I might still say the, worth it. <laughs> They're pretty good. Yeah. Well, the boiled ones, you'd love Florida where they boil them, man. The, uh, the boiled peanuts, they eat those things to a hole. And so, anyway, that's when you know when you're in redneck country when there's a boiled <laughs> peanut stand out, and, out in the jungle. The jungle down there. By the way, there's a one of uh, Jonathan's soccer games going on here right now. Yeah. We got, uh, who we got here? You got, got Bermuda uh, and Nicaragua. Nicaragua and Bermuda. <laughs> Jonathan's like, I, I got don't. more people walking. I got more people walking down the street in front of my house right now than I have watching this game. They're yeah, in New York. Stop. What do you expect? Jonathan's got two screens on it, I'm sure. 
This Gold Cup is the greatest fraud in the history of American sports. And if you're one of the 20,000 idiots that went to Allianz Field, you deserve what you got. I was sitting 11 rows up, and it was great. (laughs) Who gives a damn? (laughs) I did. Glad to wanna. Glad to wanna, for God's sake. It was 4 0, and it was great. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm sure Royce will be making you know. an appearance on the Crafty Rogues podcast this week. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, Pat. All right, no, Royce. <laughs> Royce Unchained is next, but it already started. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.